This is the First Emmanuel Lutheran Church podcast. For more information about us, who we are, and how to get connected, check us out online at filministries.org. Today's message is delivered by Pastor Randy Roche. Uh, let me start today. Let me show you a picture of my car. I think it's up there. There it is. It's a 2012 Ford Fusion. There's nothing really special about it. It is low mileage. Who has a car as dirty as this? Raise your hand. Anybody? Yeah, this is just a filthy automobile. And what's worse is whenever I get into it or I get out of it, inevitably I brush up against the thing. And when I walk in the house, my wife says, don't sit on anything. What makes this worse is my wife has a company car, which is continuously immaculate. And every time I open the garage, I see this car of mine that's filled with dirt and grime and the remnants of Wisconsin's winter salt. It is unclean. We're going to talk about unclean, but more important, we're going to talk about clean today as we begin looking at the six facets of forgiveness. And in both of our readings for today, we find two people who are absolutely unclean. Both suffer from the scourge of leprosy. And both have to go through the pains and the problems that leprosy brings. In the Old Testament, and then even in Jesus' day, Leprosy is like the worst disease you could have. There was, no, there was no cure. So you just had to keep pushing through the pains and the problems. You see, with leprosy, it, it starts small, rather unnoticed. Maybe like a, a little blemish on the skin. And then it turns into a sore. And then the sores destroy tissue. And I don't really want to get too graphic, especially for those of you who are planning on a brunch in an hour. But suffice it to say that it, it leaves one disfigured, absolutely painful. And then on top of that, there's the fear of being contagious. Those are the, the cultural pains and problems that came along with leprosy in the first century. You see, when, when you had leprosy, people looked at you and they wondered, what, what was it that you did that... God would inflict you with such a terrible disease? Or what was the egregious sin that you committed that God would allow this disease to penetrate your life? A few weeks ago, we were studying the book of Job, you remember? Same thing happened there, right? We, we found Job's friends that came to Job and said, what is it you've done? What sin did you commit that God would do this to you? And this is, this is how lepers were looked upon. Not only that, but they're separated from society. They could no longer live in their homes. They could no longer go to their workplace. They could no longer be in the community market. They could no longer be in the local synagogue. There was that fear of contagion. And when they were walking along the roads beyond the outskirts of town, if they came across anyone, if they saw anybody coming in their direction, they were required to put their fingers to their lips and shout, unclean. Six feet in a mask wasn't even good enough. 
So leprosy was a death sentence. Figuratively, it was a a death sentence from society, but quite literally, it was a death sentence. One carried leprosy to the grave. It is interesting how leprosy has this striking resemblance to the disease of sin. Because there are pains and problems that come with sin. You know, sin sometimes can start rather small. You know, we have those little sins that we really don't pay much attention to. You know, we told the white lie so that we wouldn't hurt somebody's feelings when they asked us, how does this look? Or maybe we said a harsh word because we felt the person really needed to be scolded, even if it was public. Or maybe it was an arrogant action. And, and, and maybe we reasoned within ourselves, you know, it's about time I start thinking about myself. And we think maybe these little sins aren't a big problem. Someone, someone once said to me, you know, I, I think that God just ignores our little sins. Because if God held us responsible for our little sins, nobody would get to heaven and he'd spend eternity all alone. It's a strange theology. The problem is this, sin is sin, no matter how small. In high school and in college, I worked in a a men's clothing store. And I remember once we received a shipment. And in the shipment was an article of clothing that had just a real little dot on it. When we looked at it, it seemed like it might have been a a pen that someone had accidentally hit the clothing during the packing time. Thank goodness, I said. Thank goodness, that's that's a a small enough mark. Nobody's ever going to notice that. And the boss said, but I noticed that. And it's just not good enough. We require our clothes perfection. There was no such thing as a little spot. Have you ever noticed even our little sins can cause a great deal of guilt? You know that insensitive word that we spoke? We feel a little bit bad about calling someone out in public. Or maybe we ignored someone who is in need and later on we're ashamed of ourselves. Little sins matter, as do big sins, those habitual sins. You know, I think we all have our own habitual sin. Some habitual sins are pretty noticeable in public. You know, when we, when we talk about habitual sins, we usually think of people who have a gambling problem or a drinking problem or a problem on surfing the inappropriate neighborhoods of the internet. But I think we all have some kind of signature sin. For some, it might be impatience. For some, it might be anger. For some, it might be self-centeredness. And these sins, these sins are devastating to us. And the truth is, whether the sin is small or the sin is big, whether it's remembered or forgotten, whether it's known to us or unknown, they cause problems in our lives. And then, let's throw on top of that our culture. Where our culture uh, today uh, says, uh, maybe life does not begin in the womb. Or our culture decides to redefine marriage. Or our culture says you get to pick a a gender. 
And now we even get to make them up. It's a tough world we navigate. Because we live in a culture that says, really there isn't any sin. You get to determine what's right and wrong for yourself. You get to identify your own truth. Which is extremely dangerous. Because sin destroys relationships. It creates friction. And it fractures the relationships that we nurtured and where we have found our identity and our joy. Sin interrupts the sweet rhythm of life with one another. And worse than that, sin disrupts and destroys our relationship with the God who so lovingly created us, who breathes into us every breath that we take, who's given to us the promise that he would be with us always, who's invited us to walk with him. And our sin just keeps pushing us farther and farther away. We have been rendered unclean, unable to stand before a good, a right, a just, and perfect God. And just like leprosy's final end was physical death, so sin's culmination is spiritual death and eternal death, a separation forever from the Heavenly Father. But our good news is found in in the reaction of, of the leper. The leper of our text had this amazing faith and trust in something that was more powerful than his debilitating disease. The leper went to Jesus. He had enough trust to push him through the crowds. Are you able to picture this in your own mind? Here's this leper who is not allowed to be anywhere near the community. And he hears Jesus is in the neighborhood. And if it's like any other day for Jesus, he is absolutely surrounded by people. Probably 8, 10, 12 people deep. And they're trying to touch Jesus and crowd Jesus. And all of a sudden comes this leper who says, unclean, leper coming through. Imagine the path they made for this guy. And he falls on his knees before Jesus. Lord, he says, if you will, you can make me clean. If you will, you can make me clean. He has this absolute belief in two things. The power of Jesus to overcome his tragedy and the will of Jesus that is greater than his own. I don't know about you, but if it was me, I probably would have run up and said, hey, give me one of those miracle things quick. If you will, you can make me clean. If it's your desire, I know that you can make me clean. Did you pay attention really what he asked for? Did you note that the leper did not say, if you will, you can heal me? If you will, you can make me clean. Because clean is what he really needed. He was engulfed with unclean. He proclaimed himself to the community as unclean. Lord, you can make me clean. 
You can restore my life. You can make it possible for me to go back and embrace my wife and put my children on my lap. You can make it possible where I can go buy bread and fish for them in the marketplace and greet my friends there. You can make it possible where my family and I together can sit with brothers and sisters in the faith and give you praise and thanksgiving for making us clean. If you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus' response was simple. I will. Be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And cleansing provided restoration. And restoration provided life. This is why we go to Jesus. We go to Jesus for the same reason the leper went to Jesus. His disease was on the outside. Ours is on the inside. And we push through the cultural crowds that ignore sin and sometimes even promote sin. And we fall at the, knees, at the feet of Jesus. On our knees we cry, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And it is his will. It's why he came here in the first place. There is no treatment for sin except Jesus. And we know that he did everything necessary that we would be clean. He lived the life expected of us so that we could be clean. He took our guilt and our shame. He took our sins, our inadequacies, our faults and our failures, our transgressions and iniquities, and he took them all to the cross and he crucified them there so that we could be clean. And in his resurrection from the grave, he proves that his work is sufficient and that we are clean. Our sin-stained souls are rendered clean by the work of Jesus, which is why St. John in the book of Revelation gets a glimpse at those who are in heaven and he identifies them this way. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Beautiful. Relationships are restored through Jesus. The forgiveness of Jesus allows me access to the heavenly father every single day and it allows me entrance to the father's mansions when my earthly journey is complete forgiveness is the restoration with others as we now have a, a clean slate because of sin forgiven and we can move forward in love and mutual care it's good to be clean let me show you a more recent picture of my car there it is it's clean. I did that yesterday afternoon. Drove up to Sockville, paid the man, drove through the car wash. My wife was next to me. We drove away, and I said, it even drives better. Have you noticed? Seriously, have you, doesn't it make it feel like your car rides so much better when it's clean? I think I got better gas mileage. It is amazing. So we came home, I got ready for last night's worship service, and my wife said, while you're at church, I think I'll take the car and, and go grocery shopping. You know what happened. 
she drove through puddles. And puddles had dirt and mud and salt. And the quarter, quarter panels of my 2012 low mileage Ford Fusion were dirtied. But that's okay, because I know where the car wash is. You and I will be dirtied again, won't we? Those insensitive words, those inconsiderate actions, those negative thoughts. But we know where to go, don't we? We know where to get washed, to get cleaned. We go back to that baptismal font and the promises of Jesus. The forgiveness of sins and the gift of faith. So tonight when you go to bed, maybe on, maybe on our knees we get to say that prayer. Thank you, Lord, for being so willing to make me clean. Sorry for the sins I committed. Sorry for the dirt I brought on myself. But thank you for the washing. And then maybe when we get up tomorrow, maybe, maybe the first words we utter are in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The same words used when we were baptized into the Christian faith. The words that were used to wash us clean. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you want to learn more about First Emmanuel Lutheran Church, visit filministries.org. We'll see you next week, and God bless.